0: Lord, we're asking this morning once again that you would speak clearly to each of our hearts in just the way we need to hear. And we'll trust you, learn to trust you, that you truly love us. Guide this time for your name's sake. Amen. Let me preface my sermon by simply saying that it is not easy to have any complete answers this side of heaven about suffering and a good God. So as I pray for you, you pray for me and God's will be done. Just days after Christmas, 1992, my family got news that nobody ever wants to get. Nobody ever wants to imagine living with. Nobody ever wants to face. My nephew Aaron, age 21, had gone to a football bowl game. Aaron has had an accident. My sister reported by phone diving into the shallow end of a pool only takes two seconds only two seconds between life as Aaron knew it and life as none of us could imagine a broken body is not just an individual affair but a communal grief. The first time I saw Aaron after the accident, he was lying still in a sterile hospital room. The steel halo screwed to his head, holding his neck in rigid alignment to his torso, mocked any hope that life would return to to what he had known. Aaron is a quadriplegic those were days of grief denial anger finally acceptance and then resolve the grief poured over us like unrelenting waves on a lost swimmer we denied the extent of the injury Surely there was hope that he would walk again. It would just take time. As the months wore on and we felt angry, angry at the circumstances that would lead to Aaron's two-second miscalculation, angry at medical technology for not doing more, angry at God for not intervening. Angry at each of our own losses, though small in comparison, they did our effort to cope with the trauma we were now experiencing. And finally, over months of each of us participating in rehabilitation with Aaron and watching his determination to live a productive life, we accepted life on a new scale for him and for ourselves. The truth of Jerry Sitzer's words in his book, A Grace Disguised, came home to roost in our hearts. He says, Confronting the loss is a willful decision, a choice, an admission that the defining moment of life need not be our loss itself. But our response to the loss it is not what happens to us that matters as much as what happens in us so what does God have to say to us who live daily with the loss of control the loss of mobility The loss of bodily functions, the loss of hope that we will ever be free from pain, from constant debilitation, or simply the loss of our health in general. Can life be as purposeful when we suffer bodily as when we don't? And does God still relieve us of suffering this side of heaven in order to display His power, grace, and love in a world longing to be remade. Scott has been doing a sermon series called Remade. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. The scriptures that Dana just read tell us that in the presence of And continuing ministry of Jesus Christ, we can expect to experience our bodies being remade. In other words, healed from the inside out, transformed for the purpose of experiencing more fully God's grace, power, and commitment to love to reverse disease, to cancel deforming sin, to elevate us body, mind, and heart to a new reality of life that is not determined by our pain or our brokenness, but by our response to it. So how are we to respond to our bodies in a world of suffering? good question and we are so impacted by our bodies and you know what we should be we're meant to be God made us male and female and called it good God loves our bodies God uses our bodies to communicate God's will for our lives our bodies are important to our experience of God love this side of heaven as well we use our bodies to serve and love in return now on the other hand we live in a culture that is preoccupied by our bodies we have a need to alleviate bodily pain at all costs to distance ourselves from discomfort To avoid speaking about death to emphasize exterior beauty and control how then are we to understand God remaking our bodies now in the present what must wait for heaven so I chose the text I did in Luke and Paul's testimony as a description of the juxtaposition of healing and suffering in the life of faith see when jesus begins his public ministry in that first text from chapter 4 he claims to be the kingdom of god come in the flesh good news to the poor release to the captives recovery of sight to the blind the oppressed go free for luke Jesus is the Messiah who has brought salvation in all its forms to the world. Not only will this salvation impact our souls, but it will impact our bodies, economies, politics, all of life. A response from us of faith is required. Faith is The key to experiencing this change this transformation of body and soul here's how I understand Luke's teaching regarding how our bodies are transformed suffering is a result of a fallen world that is in the grip of Satan and this suffering can be indiscriminate and not connected to God's justice or His grace. Yet God gives us the ability to endure, to be changed by our suffering. Our weakness actually makes us strong because we become, through trusting God for what we cannot control, compassionate, gracious, humble. Courageous and loving people. In our weakness, we learn to not take ourselves too seriously. On the other hand, when we get the miracle healing we want, we experience God's power, we are humbled by His intervention, we are often inspired to fuller commitment and a faith experience. But we are not necessarily conformed to God's image. Suffering molds us, miracles amaze us. Jesus defies our boundaries of how and when God ought to intervene and heal the world. We don't see the bigger picture. Like Job, we may cry foul to God when we experience suffering. But who are we to claim knowledge of the mystery of God bringing His kingdom to bear in this world? More than anything else, God wants us to trust Him no matter what our outside circumstances are. Our encouragement in this life Is that we have a suffering Savior. Who cried out. Not my will. But yours be done. Just before he hung. On a cross. Jesus also said. Those who believe in me. Even though they die. Will live. And everyone who lives. And believes in me. Will never die. So faith is both given and responded to. It directly impacts how we experience suffering and healing in the moment. We are enabled to live with suffering with grace as Paul did, or we experience release as the woman bent over for 18 years. And we live in gratitude in both cases, knowing that our bodies are still going to die this side of heaven. God's grace is sufficient for us, for power is made perfect in weakness. Living out our infirmities with courage, trust, and generosity of spirit is to live close to the heart of God. I've had the immense privilege of walking with the suffering and the dying over my years of ministry I've had the immense pleasure of experiencing God's miraculous hand of healing in the lives of people who have come to me for prayer. In both cases, in both cases, God's power, grace, and generosity have been demonstrated, revealing bodies remade for His purposes. I want to share some examples. This example of healing is in the words of a woman who experienced being remade. Several years ago, I had a neurological problem with both my arms. Without any warning, they would drop to my side and be totally useless for about three minutes. Then they would return to normal like nothing had happened. This problem developed slowly. In the beginning, this occurred about two or three times a year. Eventually, I spent a full day at Harborview, undergoing consultations and tests with the top neurologist. The results showed that the problem was in my spine and it would be too dangerous to fix, so I had to live with the situation. By this time, the episodes were happening about 17 times a month. It was completely unpredictable and rather dangerous. The church offered a day of prayer for healing, so I went. Three of the prayer ministers took me in a room and prayed over me, laying their hands on me and laying the problem out before the Lord. One of them put her hand on, the, on my back right on the spot the doctors had identified as the problem area, though I had not told her where that spot was. I distinctly felt warmth from her touch, which made me excited, for I believed that Jesus was healing me. To this day, the problem has never returned. I told the doctor. She said it was a miracle. I waited about six months before I told the person who had laid her hand on the right spot, just to be sure. (laughs) We still rejoice over this miracle today, giving God the praise. Now I want to tell you a story, an experience of mine of watching a man remade in death. Two years ago John experienced a bad fall causing internal bleeding which eventually resulted in massive infection. When I began making pastoral visits to him in ICU, he was unconscious. I visited him sometimes twice a week for the two months he remained on life support. I would often lay my hand on his chest and pray Psalm 23 or whatever God brought up in my heart to pray. I will never forget the day I walked into his room and he was awake and could speak. John said, I heard every word. God filled me with hope and light. John had known God by extension of others' experiences and by doing good works to the church and much philanthropy. But intimacy and surrender to God's will and love for him had been somewhat elusive before his illness. John eventually recovered from those initial injuries only to be diagnosed with leukemia two months after he had come home from his five-month stay in the hospital. He fought hard for life. We prayed for healing. We prayed for courage. We prayed and talked about God's transforming power in this life. To want what God wanted. To want to live. But to want to surrender to God's love first. His prayers changed his heart and healed his soul before John died I served in communion along with his precious family as he held the cup high he said thank you God I have learned so much he died two days later God chose to remake John's body in heaven but we who experienced his dying were remade from within. I prayed for the healing of an ovarian cancer in a seminarian friend of mine. First, we asked God to reveal to her any areas of unforgiveness in her life. As she was shown by God who and what needed to be forgiven, she emotionally experienced freedom and release. When it came time for surgery, her tumor had shrunk. ...so that the doctor was able to remove it completely. She serves a church in Montana today as a pastor. Shortly after that experience, I prayed for a woman in our own church... ...suffering from ovarian cancer. In much the same way, she experienced emotional and spiritual healing and freedom. But the cancer did not leave her body. She died in faith and courage but not before she danced at the wedding of her son. Was God glorified in both situations? Was God's kingdom made evident through both their bodies? I think so. We are not defined by our bodies, but neither are our bodies obsolete to how God wants to reveal His love, grace, power, mercy, and courage in us. God, who would die for us, asks us to trust Him for what He will do through our bodies, to mirror to a world longing for redemption, that life is more than what we can control, and life in all its glory is lived out most profoundly in trust and finding our identity in our faith alone. My nephew Aaron and his beautiful wife Myra, of three years, are expecting twins at the end of January. Aaron is a compassionate, communicative man who finds life full of relationships, pursuing dignity based on his values and faith rather than on what he can achieve physically. Yes. God remakes our bodies in His image. An image of compassion, wholeness, and suffering all at the same time. Lord Jesus, it is a hard message for us because we hurt body, soul, mind, and spirit. Help us afresh to trust you, to trust your love, to rest in the mystery of what you know you want to do in our lives and in the world through us. And we'll give you the glory. Amen.